God, we thank you. We praise you for your goodness. We thank you for the goodness of your name, the glory of your name. We thank you for the power of your name. We join with the saints of all the ages. We praise you that there has never been a time when you have not been good. There's never been an action you've taken that has not been good. This morning, Lord, the service is not about us. It's about you. And Lord, I forget that. We, we forget that. We want your will to be done. Our lives laid down, surrendered to you. So we pray that through this, the, this preaching, through our time in the book of Romans this morning, we pray that you would speak to hearts. Lord, we pray that you do a, a reviving work among us. God, we pray for the moving of the Holy Spirit. Lord, we pray that if we've grown cold or indifferent, if we've lost our way, that we would get back. Lord, I, we, when we sang about your goodness running after us, I think of the prodigal son. That you, like that father, run to the, to the returning prodigal. So Lord, maybe there's some here this morning that they've wandered and you're calling them back. But Lord, just, just speak to us this morning. Help us. We need you. You are what we need. You are all we need. In the wonderful and precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Please be seated and join me in your Bibles this morning in the book of Romans as we are in our second message in our new series, Good News for a Broken World. Would you read the theme verse with me? And we'll come to this verse every single week, so I hope you don't grow tired of it. But let's read together Romans 1, verses 16 and 17. Ready? Begin. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. We're reminded that while our experience in the world tells us that something is not quite right, that there's a brokenness to this world, that people act out in ways that, that hurt each other and dishonor God. There's, there's confusion. There's sometimes chaos in the world. While we experience that, we've got to get back to the, to the Word of God. Because in the Word of God, and particularly in the book of Romans, the answer to the question of the brokenness of this world rings loud and clear, and the answer is the gospel. It is the gospel. What we just read, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believe, to every person. 
The answer is the gospel. And of course, as we began last week, we defined the gospel. The gospel, it literally means the good news. It is the good news. And the book of Romans, unlike I think any other book in the Bible, explains and illustrates and and, and really gives us an empowering with the gospel of Jesus Christ. As we said last week, if you could have one epistle, I believe it would be the book of Romans. As I was doing some research and listening to some old sermons, one of the brothers in the church and I were texting a little bit about this old preacher, Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, from preaching back in the midpoint of the 20th century. And um, I was listening to one of his sermons in preparation for this, and he quoted Martin Luther, the great reformer. And Luther said, Luther said that he believed that every Christian should memorize the book of Romans word for word. Boy, how far we've come. But I don't want to necessarily put that burden on you today, but the importance to which past believers have, and uh, it was, the brother and I were talking, were texting and mentioned, so we're listening to some of Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones' sermons on Romans, and he took 14 years to preach through the book of Romans. I got the number, 14 years. The first sermon never made it past the word Paul. So we'll make it a little bit We'll make it a little, and then I'm like, well, surely he moves on a little faster, but then it's just a couple more words, so you could see. But he preached it in the great Westminster Chapel in London around the midpoint of the 20th century, and it was a Friday night sermon series. Friday night sermon series, and people would come from other churches, and they would gather, and he would just verse by verse teach through the book of Romans. If you're curious and you want to Spend your next 14 years in the book of Romans. It's all online. You can download it and listen to it. Um, But I'm just selecting bits and pieces here and there for some encouragement. But um, it's a powerful book. But it's a book that's filled with the good news. So this morning, look with me at our text. And beginning in verse number 1, Romans chapter 1, notice this. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God, which he had promised afore by his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh and declared to be the Son of God with power, according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead, by whom we have received grace and apostleship, for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name, among whom are ye also the called of Jesus Christ. That's going to be significant, among other things, but verse number six, among whom are ye also the called of Jesus Christ. To all that be in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Sometimes it's our practice in reading these letters. Sometimes it's our practice to just move through the introductory statements. But they're always, especially Paul's introductions, are just packed with, they're just densely packed with great spiritual truth. Of course, we are introduced to the writer. The author is Paul. We'll speak about him this morning. 
Paul is the author, he is the apostle, but the audience is not one particular church for the church, the city of Rome was the mega city of its day. I mean, this was the capital, not just of, really the capital of the world in its day is the city of Rome. So this is going to a very significant location. And you notice that the, the two is in verse number seven, the letter, the epistle is written to all that be in Rome that are called to be saints. So he wanted every believer, wherever they were in this vast city, to read this letter. And so the churches in Rome would receive the letter and it would get passed around and they would hear what God had for them through the Apostle Paul. But the emphasis I would like to show you this morning is I want to focus on the people, the good news people, the gospel people. Particularly, I want to show you how Paul was a gospel person, but then how the believers at Rome were also called to be gospel people. Isn't it interesting? There's an interesting thing about news. News is only news. Now, this is kind of like one of those, if a tree falls in the woods and no one is there to hear it, does it make a sound? You know what I mean? You've heard that before, right? Is the news news if you've never heard the news? Well, that would be news to me, right? Is, it's, oh, that just making sure you're still awake with me there. I just made that up on the spot. You know, that was impressive, right? So is it really new? It's only news if you've heard it. And it's only news if it's published. We have had this, uh, we've had this, I don't know how many of you have been following the whole Twitter controversy that's going on all over the news media and whatnot, but there's actually been a lot of talk about how certain types of news have been suppressed. In other words, people knew that there was this news out there, but they had the power of the press to suppress the news. And so it never makes news. What good would it be if all of the editors of all the newspapers received the news, they discussed it with their editorial boards, they spent time understanding it, analyzing it, unpacking it, talking about the significance of the news, but they never published the news. Do you think that can happen to Christians? That we can have received the news, we can have deep studies about the news, we can understand it, we can expound it, we can write, we can journal about it, we can pray about it. But the news, friends, is meant to be published. It's meant to be proclaimed. As the Bible says, it is meant to be preached. That is what the news is for. It's to be broadcast. God could have called angels to go into all the world and give the good news, but he didn't. He could have, he could have just delivered a message in the sky for everyone to read, but he didn't. He gave us a book, and he chose men and women. He chose us. We are the good news people. We are the good news people. So let's look this morning in this passage at what that means. If you're following along in your notes on the inside, you'll notice there's 
three components to being a good news person. First of all, we are, to, we are gospel called. We are gospel called, we are gospel equipped, and we are gospel, or we are to be gospel dedicated. We are called to the good news, we are equipped for the good news, and we, our lives are to be dedicated to this good news. Let's see how these truths are revealed in the pages of the Word this morning. First of all, gospel called. Did you notice in the first seven verses all of the references to calling? If you'd like to mark things in your Bible, I'd encourage you to notice in verse number one, Paul refers to himself as servant of Jesus Christ, and then he uses this word. He said he is what? Called to be an apostle. Called to be an apostle. Then he comes down to verse number six, and he says to the churches in Rome, he says, among whom are ye also the what? The called of Jesus Christ. Verse number seven, to all that be in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints. Let's speak, to you in the, speak with, to you in the first part of the message today about the calling of the gospel. The gospel call that God has placed on every single person's life. Now, many of you are familiar with that word, a calling. In fact, we use it not only in the church, but the idea of calling is found really even in the, 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 the business world, the, the sports world, the, the general world in which we live. If someone says that they have a calling, it means that they feel that their life is for a specific purpose, that there's some purpose for which they live. They have a sense of calling on their life. But let's understand it spiritually from the outset this morning, and let's think about the calling of God. Now, if I asked you to define the calling of God, and we had a discussion, I'm sure that you could come up with some great spiritual definitions of the calling of God. Let me share with you the, the definition that I jotted down. So this doesn't come from Webster or anything like that. This is just as a, just one believer speaking to other believers and saying, you know, th these are some aspects to the calling of God. I thought of it this way. The calling of God is the voice of the Holy Spirit. Have you heard the voice of the Holy Spirit? The prophet Elijah described the voice of the Holy Spirit. You may remember from your Old Testament lessons that the voice of the Holy Spirit was described as a loud, thundering boom. Am I correct? No. The voice of the Holy Spirit is described as a what? A still, small voice. He, the voice of the Holy Spirit is through the Word of God. The Holy Spirit speaks through the Word of God. But the calling of God is when God personally calls with His voice, with the voice of the Holy Spirit, to the hearts and the minds, to the consciences of men, women, boys, and girls. And God personally speaks. Did you know that when that, that Jesus, do you remember when He called His disciples? He called them all by name. It was, my favorite one is Nathaniel. Who, do you remember the calling of Nathaniel and where he was sitting? Who remembers where he was sitting? Under a fig tree. Nathaniel's under the fig tree, 
And his, his friend, I forget which of the other disciples, brought him, might have been Andrew, brought, brought Nathaniel to Jesus. And Jesus basically told him, Nathaniel, I know everything about you. Not in those exact words, but he says, Nathaniel, I know everything about you and I've called you. Like, how could you know me? And he says, Nathaniel, I knew about you when you were sitting under the fig tree. And the truth of the personal call of Jesus on Nathaniel's heart it's the kind of calling we're talking about. Now, we, you and I don't have a, a physical encounter with God through the Holy Spirit, but it's spiritual. He speaks to our hearts, speaks to our minds, and he speaks to our consciences. There are people in the room who less than a year ago, less than a year ago, you, had, you wanted nothing to do with Jesus Christ, but the voice of the Holy Spirit called you by name. Wow. The calling of God is the voice of the Holy Spirit, I believe, personally inviting us into two things. First of all, into a saving relationship with Christ. It is, there, there are no people who just wake up one morning and say, I think I'll become a Christian today. It's the Holy Spirit saying, Jesus loves you. Jesus died for you. You are invited to receive him by faith and be saved. Have you heard that call this morning? Can you say amen if you've heard that call? But secondly, the call of God is not just into the saving relationship with Christ, but we are called into a life that is completely dedicated to the glory of God. We are called both to salvation and we are called to service. When Jesus called the 12 disciples, You'll never find him saying, well, the first thing I want to do is call you to be accepted by me, and then later on we'll think about whether or not you're going to serve me. It was one and the same. It was an understanding that, that because of who I was, I'm just a sinner, because of who Jesus is, he would save me by, by grace through faith alone. Wow, now I belong to him. The calling is to salvation and to discipleship. There's a an author I highly recommend to you that, that has written on this topic. I read his book a couple of years ago. His name is Oz Guinness. And I, I put the quote in the handout today, and I think this gives a great perspective on this. He reminds us, we are not primarily called to do something or go somewhere. We are called to someone. We are called to someone. The heart of our calling, the heart of Paul's calling, is that we are called into relationship with Jesus Christ. That is our calling. That is your calling. There are some lessons from Paul. Notice it says in verse number one, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle. Called to be an apostle. Now, for sake of time, we're not going to... Uh, well, it's only a page or two, so... For sake of time, whatever. Go back to Acts chapter 26. Go back to chapter 26. Watch the calling of God in Paul's life. When Paul says he's called, toward the end of his life, he gives his testimony. He wants to tell people how God called him. And we learn a few lessons from, the, from Paul's calling here. So let me set the stage for the scene. We're in Acts 26. We're going to pick it up in verse 12. But here's what has happened Paul is now standing before the Roman rulers in Jerusalem. He's standing before people and he's having to give a defense of his faith. He's having to give a defense of Christianity. And so he tells them, 
He says, you have to understand who I was. Paul says, I didn't start out my life as a follower of Jesus. I didn't start out my life. In fact, I was the complete opposite. Paul says, I was someone who hated Christians. I was someone who was persecuting Christianity. I was someone who arrested Christians. And he says, let me tell you what happened to me. I was on the road to Damascus. Verse 12, whereupon as I went to Damascus with authority and commission from the chief priests. He's been given an assignment. He's been given a task that he is to go to Damascus. He is to find all of the Christians there. He is to arrest them. And he says, I had that authority, but at midday, O king, I saw in the way a light from heaven, above the brightness of the sun, shining round about me and them which journeyed with me. And when we were all fallen to the earth, I heard a voice. I heard a voice. And the voice that Paul heard was about to change his life forever because it was the voice of the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, I heard a voice speaking unto me and saying in the Hebrew tongue, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And I said, who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. But rise and stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness both of these things which thou hast seen and of those things in the which I will appear unto thee, delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles unto whom now I send thee, to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God, that they might receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. Now look, upon, look at verse number 19. He says, after I heard that, Whereupon, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient unto the heavenly vision. I heard the voice of Christ. The voice of Christ came to me. It told me that the trajectory of my life was completely wrong. Listen, can you imagine? Can you, now, I have the, 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 the privilege and the honor of having grown up in a home where I was trained in the scriptures from a from a very young age, and I came to accept Jesus by by faith as a very young person. And and sure, I had to go through times like everyone does where we internalize and, and make decisions. Is this faith for me or is this just my parents' faith? But regardless, I was brought up in the way of the Lord. But can you imagine? Well, some of you don't have to imagine. This is your life story. Up until the point where you heard the voice of Jesus, everything in your life was preparing you contrary to him. Everything, it could have been a religious upbringing or a secular upbringing or your education, your background, everything in your life. This is Paul's story. You could not have a more clear example of someone who had been, had been just perfectly suited to not believe in Christ. But the calling of God, the voice of the Holy Spirit, the voice of Jesus, The lessons we see from Paul's calling is that it is God who calls. He initiates. 
and we respond. He is the one. Aren't you thankful that God has stepped down and that God is willing to speak his voice to us? As we think about this this morning, I know it's, it can be easy to zone out or to get distracted, but the fact is this, the God of the universe, if you are a believer, the God of the universe has called you to himself. It's an incredible thought. God initiates, we respond. You see, and I already mentioned this, Paul was called to salvation and discipleship. Paul says, hey, or Jesus says, hey, it's me, Jesus. At that moment, I can imagine Paul's heart. It's, what have I been doing? I think that's his conversion. There's no prayer, prayed, or anything. It's just all in one moment. Jesus says, hey, it's me, it's Jesus, the one you've been persecuting. And by the way, you're going to be an apostle now. Boom. His life changed in a moment. Listen, it does not matter. It does not matter how long you have been a believer. It doesn't matter if you've been... There's no... Listen, there is no... There are times of preparation. I'll talk about this. But there is, there is no like um, waiting period for the call of God on your life. There's no, when God saved you, he had a plan and a purpose for your salvation. He had a purpose for you. At that moment, I want you to notice this also. I want you to see our calling. So not just Paul's calling. Oh, there's one more thing we've got to see here before we move on. Back in Romans, God give, we see here that God gives a credibility to the calling, not just emotion. We're not simply talking about an emotional experience. Look back in Romans chapter 1. Paul says in verse 1 that he's called to be an, he was called to be an apostle, separated to the gospel. Now look at how Paul takes a couple of verses to explain the gospel or defend the gospel. He says this gospel of God, verse 2, was promised before in the Old Testament scriptures. And yes, even in the Old Testament, verse 3, it was concerning His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, which was made of the seed of David, according to the flesh, and declared to be the Son of God with power. So, there's a few things that are happening here. First, Paul wants to explain that my calling, you'd think it would be enough for him to say, hey, I saw a vision. Right? For a lot of us, for a lot of people today, that's where they stop. They say, well, I saw a vision, or I felt something, or whatever. But Paul actually backs up his experience with the Word of God. Is that, is that interesting to you? It's interesting to me. He doesn't just say, hey, I'm called to be an apostle because this really cool thing happened to me. You ever heard about the Damascus Road? He doesn't leave it there. He says, by the way, did you notice all the, the evidences he's giving? He says, you know what? I, after the Damascus Road, I searched the Scriptures and I discovered that it's not just this part of the Bible that talks about Jesus. But actually, this whole part of the Bible talked about Jesus too. All the Old Testament scriptures pointed to it. I was just blind to it, he says. But not only that, there's another reason why he says he believed in this calling on his life outside of his experience. And that is, totally lost my place there, and that is in verse number, verse number four. So not only are the Old Testament prophecies fulfilled, but look at the resurrection, verse 4, that Jesus was declared to be the Son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. He says, I don't just follow this because it, I felt a certain way. The scriptures testify of Christ. 
The resurrection proves the power of the gospel. And so that is the ground and the basis of my calling. And if you've ever been, if you've ever questioned or doubted, you say, yes, when I first, when I first came to know Christ, I, you know, I felt a certain way, but I just don't feel that way anymore. You don't go back to your feelings. The call of God is not based on how you feel. It's about the evidence and the scriptures that testify who Jesus is. He and the truth of who he is is the ground of our calling. Yes, please. Aaron's going to help me out with some water. I appreciate it. Struggling up here. Thanks. Yeah. I I have to say, Aaron, I know how you feel now. So there's a credibility to his calling. It's not just emotion. But now we move into our, our calling. In verses 6 and 7, we are like the Romans. He says in verse 6, Among whom are ye also? He says, hey guys, it's not just me. I'm not the only one called around here, Paul says. You are too. You've received the calling too. And for every slave in a church in Rome, different role, but the same calling as the mighty Apostle Paul. For every wealthy person in the church in Rome, different role, but the same calling. Paul would write that in Christ there's neither Jew nor Greek, bond nor free, male nor female, but we are all one in Christ. We share the same calling. He writes that to the Romans, you are called. We have different roles, but the same calling. And God's calling brings a transformation in your life. How many of you could testify this morning and say, since Jesus, I am not the same? Since the call, I'm not the same. You see, he calls them here. He says to all, in verse number In verse number 7, to all that be in, could you say the city, to all who be in where? Rome. You are now the beloved of God, and you are called to be, say it, holy ones, saints. You are, you know what, you know what your new title is? You are a saint. Some of you grew up thinking that saints were statues that you prayed to with special powers, like the superheroes of the faith, you know? Like the Justice League of the gospel kind of thing. You are the saints. We are the saints. We are the beloved of God called to be saints. And listen, whether it's St. Paul, St. James, St. Augustine, St. whoever, you and I are just as much sanctified as they. Just as much. Because it's not about what we do, it's about the call of Jesus on us. Every other perspective makes way too much of man and too little of Jesus. We are called to be saints. God's calling brings transformation. What do I mean by that? They're saints, but they're also Romans. They're Romans. They're Romans. This is the most progressive, licentious, liberal in the sense of of 
personal expression culture that has ever existed was in Rome. This is Nero's Rome. How many of you remember Emperor Nero? This is his Rome. This is the Rome of the gladiators. This is the Rome of the bread and circuses. This is the Rome that is filled with sexual perversion. This is Rome. And you Romans are now saints of God. Only Jesus can bring that change. And we could, again, go around the room and you could, you could say, I was a Roman. Anybody was a Roman in here? You know what I mean? I mean, how many Romans in here? Now, some of us, some of us were Hebrews, not in, the, not in the ethic sense, but we were self-righteous Pharisees. How many of them in here? Anybody? It's what you were? Thank you, thank you. We were full of ourselves and our religion and who we were. We were far, we were far from God over on this side. But some of you all, you were Romans. I mean, you lived it up. You partied. You embraced the lifestyle of the world. But all of that has changed because the voice of Jesus called. And the voice of Jesus called you by name. He says, Jeff, come out. Come to me. He said, Nate, come to me. He called you by name. He called my dad and he said, Eric, let go of the bottle. Let go of the drugs and come to me. But somebody give God praise this morning. I mean, give Him glory because you are a Roman. But today you're a saint. You're the called of God. It's good news. It's such good news. And we can go and live for something else or we could, we could give our lives to something else. But once the call of God is on you, you cannot escape that even if you try. And I've watched it. I've seen brothers and sisters who wander away from the call of God and get into sin and walk away from Jesus only, if, whether it's months or years or whatever, for Him to say, come back. Come back. You can't escape the call. If you've received, there's ever been a time in your life where God called you to Himself, no matter how hard you run, you'll never escape it. Because it's not up to us. We are kept by the power of God. And God's calling is fueled by grace and peace. He says that at the end of the verse, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I'll just take a, a very few minutes on the next points. I think we've got the, the baseline established. Something else I want you to notice is the gospel equipping. It's really important. It builds on everything that we just said. How many of you have a past? Do you know what I'm talking about? you got a past. And it's a past that you're not really proud of. Anybody in here, you say, I've got a past I'm not really proud of. Okay? Paul had a past that he wasn't very proud of. And you might say, well, God, if this is all about, if this is all about you calling, why didn't you call me? I could see Paul scratching his head sometimes. In fact, he called himself the apostle who was born out of due season. He's like, I'm the latecomer apostle. I came late to this whole thing. And I can't help but think, did Paul ever scratch his head and say, Jesus, why didn't you call me when I was 15 or 16 like you did John? Anybody ever asked that question before? God, why didn't you call me? Because it wasn't about me. It's about, it's about you. It's your calling. You could have called me when I was younger. You could have called me before. Why didn't you? Why not? Paul doesn't wrestle with those questions, though. At some point, he put him away because he says, I'm going to forget what's behind and press on to what's ahead. However, there is something unique about 
God preparing Paul. You know, there were things beyond, this is where I'm going to lean on uh, Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones a little bit if you listen to his sermon, A Man Kapal. There were certain things that were outside the control of the Apostle Paul that made him uniquely gifted for the calling that God would place on his life. For instance, where was he born? He is known as, he is known as Saul of... You get, you get extra points for the quiz there. Saul of Tarsus, a Roman city. Paul is born a Hebrew by blood and a Roman citizen by birth in Tarsus. Citizenship is something we just take for granted. The significance of Paul's citizenship would follow him all throughout his life. He would be able to travel uninterruptedly throughout the entire Roman Empire. Do you know why? Because of his great skill or power of persuasion? He's a citizen of Rome. Who did that for Paul? God did that. Paul had nothing to do with that. He had some parents who educated him. His education was in the Jewish tradition. And when I say the Jewish tradition, Philippians chapter 3, Paul refers to himself as a Pharisee of the Pharisees. No one knew the law better than the Apostle Paul. And Paul would be the one that, better than any other apostle, would explain how the law is fulfilled in Christ. Who better to do that than an expert in the Jewish law? God, why didn't you call me sooner? I was preparing you, Paul. Moses spent 40 years in the backside of the wilderness. Joseph spent the time in Egypt in prison. God prepares us. We don't always know why, but there's just, whatever your past is, God is prepared, has prepared you for a unique place of service. Not only was that, he was an expert. What were Paul's areas of expertise? You study the life of Paul, he was a linguist. He spoke multiple languages, was well-versed. Some people suggest as many as seven or so languages based on research. Paul had no idea that this would be used. He's also an expert in literature. You find him in the New Testament quoting some of the pagan authors and poets of the day. He's an expert in linguistics, literature, customs, and the law of Moses. Now, Peter did not have that level of sophistication, did he? But that's okay, because God had a different plan for Peter, didn't he? And Peter had a different past than Paul. My dad brought a great lesson to the men and boys yesterday morning on Andrew. Every single time in the Bible, and I didn't fact check this, I'm just going to trust his study, but uh, every time Andrew's name is mentioned, and I think he said he thinks every time his name is mentioned, Andrew was described as the brother of Simon Peter. How would you like that, right? The brother of, you know, you got a brother? Many, all right? So you're, you're, you're like, yeah. It's like, you're the, you're the bro. Oh, you're that guy's brother, right? You're that guy's brother. And it just seemed like, you know, it never mattered to Andrew. And, and my dad pointed out how God used him. But, but regardless of the past, the calling of God, God has equipped you to do what I cannot do. 
And God has equipped me to perhaps do what you cannot do. But the call is still significant. It's the same calling. God God uniquely prepared Paul, and God uniquely prepares us for gospel service. So let me ask you this question. Meditate on this. How can your past be used for the gospel? How can your unique experience be used to touch another person's heart? You know, I've... Uh, Second question, how has God gifted you? What abilities, through your education, through your life experiences, through your vocation, what abilities has God given? Do you have people skills? Do you have organizational skills? Do, do uh, Do you have financial skills? And we could go right down the list. How has your gifting, how is your gifting unique? But then the most important question is this. Who is benefiting from your gifting? Say, well, I am. Or maybe put it this way, which kingdom is getting your gifts? Paul could have taken his skills and he could have led a very prosperous career. He could have had everything the world would have offered in that day. Everything. Which brings us to the last point, and that's gospel dedicated. Look at verse number one. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle. Would you read this next phrase with me? Ready? Separated unto the gospel of God. God has called. The call has been made. What is our response? God called you into salvation, but he also called you, like he called me, into service for him. Jesus called. One more quote from Mr. Guinness here, Oz Guinness in the call. He says this, calling is a yes to God that carries a no to the chaos of modern demands. Calling is the key to tracing the storyline of our lives and unriddling the meaning of our existence in a chaotic world. The world will put all kinds of demands on you. The world will give you lifestyle expectations. The world will give you financial expectations. The world will give you family and relationship expectations. <coughs> Excuse me. And you have a choice. Like I have a choice. We can say yes to those expectations of the world, but by doing so, we are saying no to the call of God in our lives. Or we can say no to the world because I have a higher calling. I have a higher calling. What is your price? What would it take for you to walk away from your call and follow the world's call? What is your price? For some, it's money. For some, it's acceptance. For some, it's status. But for Paul, he was separated to the gospel. He was separated to the gospel. And whether you're called vocationally into the ministry, listen, just my own testimony, friends, I have worked bivocationally for 16 years and preached the gospel. And I've had plenty of opportunities to advance my career in the secular world, and I have skills and abilities there, but I can never escape the fact that 
Like Paul said, woe unto me if I preach not the gospel of Christ. Because there's a call on my life. It doesn't mean I don't do other things. It doesn't mean that God can't use me in other ways. It doesn't mean God can't use you at your job or in your career or in whatever field you are. God wants to use you. But there's a greater calling. It's the call to the gospel. Will you be dedicated to the call? Will you be? You, you that are raising children, you'll have to make a decision if the call on your family at some point, and we are involved in all these things, so don't get me wrong, but some, there will be a call to your family. Are you a gospel family or are you a youth sports family? You're going to have to make that decision. Now, you can be a gospel family that gives God glory in youth sports. Absolutely. But at some point, the, the, the call will go out and somebody will say, hey, man, your little guy is really good. He should play travel ball for, you know. You're going to make a decision. What's the call? Career, person building your career. You may have an amazing opportunity to move somewhere, do something. But what has God called you to do for his kingdom? And how does that line up? It astounds me that sometimes people will make decisions for their life without any regard to how it will affect the spiritual condition of their family. Are we a gospel good news people? Or are we a Roman people? Are we dedicated to the call? It's a yes to, go, to, to God, but it's not... Listen, I, I, I said some challenging things, but it's not a negative. Like Oz Guinness said, it's actually the key to making sense of the world. Because it frees me, it liberates me to say, wait a minute, I don't have to say... Think of all the things the world wants us to say yes to. Yes to money, yes to family time, yes to career, yes to this, yes to that, yes to that. It's like, I can't say yes to all those things. But I can say yes to the person who loves me more than anyone else. I can answer his call. And Paul's fully dedicated. If you read, when you go home, please read verses 8 through 13 and... And, and unpack it all, what he says, you see a grateful, praying, planning, longing Paul that his whole life, and a people, their whole lives are about advancing the kingdom of God. And then, because of that, we come down to verse number 15. I love verse 15. So, as much as in me is, I'm ready to preach the gospel. I am ready to preach the gospel. For Paul, it was his career, so to speak. But whether you're paid to do it or you're paid to sweep the sidewalks, your call is the same. And that is to preach the gospel both through your actions and your words into all the world. It's a wonderful good news calling. Will you be a good news people? Would you please come to prayer with me now? With heads bowed and eyes closed, let's go to prayer. I'd like to frame this prayer time by first speaking to those who are believers in Christ. <coughs> you are a believer in Christ. You heard his call. Are you being pulled in different directions? I want to ask you to do this this morning. Would you pray to the Lord and say, Dear Jesus, thank you for calling me. 
I will be separated unto the good news. I ask you to pray that this morning. Would you say, God, separate me for your purpose? I'd like to also speak to another group or individual that may be here. You may still be a Roman, as we talked about, or you may be a Pharisee. You may be very religious, but you don't have the, a true personal relationship with Christ. Or you may be very worldly, so to speak. Either way, Jesus is saying, I love you. It's not about you. It's not about what you can do. It's not about you having your own way in the world, or it's not about you doing everything you can do through your religion. The gospel is the good news that I have come, Jesus says, to save you. Have you made the decision to answer his call? Has there been a time in your life that you've repented of your sin and trusted Jesus as your Savior? Would you do that right now? Right now, whether you're in the room or you're watching this, would you ask Jesus Christ to save you? Put your faith in him and him alone. As the instruments softly play, let's dedicate this time to the Lord. Lord, we pray that you'd speak to each heart. As we sing our closing hymn this morning, I pray that our hearts would be stirred and passionate for the gospel. But I pray that this church would be a gospel, a good news church. Lord, there are souls that we need to reach. Lord, there are people that I will never be able to reach, but the brothers and sisters here can reach them. Lord, we've, we've prayed about our bus ministry, Lord. There are souls that we can go and reach in our workplaces, God. But we have the hope. We have the hope you've given us that sets this world free. And God, I pray if there is one person, there's someone here today that's never trusted you as their Savior. You're speaking now, I believe, by faith. The Holy Spirit, you're speaking to their heart. God, keep speaking to them. I pray that they would receive you as their Savior. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.